Good afternoon. Uh, as you've already told, my name's Wayne. For anyone who doesn't know, i uh, one of the elders here at Kenilworth Community Church. My job also is I'm director of Crossteach, which is a Christian schools work organisation. So over the summer we talked about doing psalms and kind of I'd volunteer for this one. You can do any psalm you want. So Psalm 78 was the obvious choice. I could stand here for hours and talk about teaching the next generation. We're going to try and keep it shorter than that. You'll be glad to hear. But it's just a great psalm. When we think about the next generation, what we're commanded to do for them, this is a great psalm. Hopefully it will be a great encouragement to you, whether you're a parent or not. So to that end, let's pray before we get into it. Lord, we thank you for your words. We pray. It's gone ahead too quick. Thank you for your words. We ask that it would do its work today as we listen to what we've already heard. As we open your word now and I try to explain it, would your spirit be at work in our minds so we can understand in our hearts that we're changed by what we hear? So as we leave this place later, would we be more like Jesus, more willing to serve you, and better equipped to be your witnesses in this world? Amen. Amen. Uh, So we are talking about teaching children, but I think the children will probably be glad to hear I won't mention school very often, so you can still enjoy the last few days of your holiday. We're talking about teaching children at home and in church. Thinking really what should be our top priority when it comes to our children. So to get us thinking about that, I've got a short, actually two short videos back to back. Thinking about what do, what do parents particularly desire for their children? What about you? I think there are some good things in there those parents want for their children. Some things you might identify with and feel very similar about. But how would you answer that question? If you could only say one thing, what would be your top priority if you're parents? If you're grandparents or an aunt or an uncle, what do you really hope for for the children in your family? And what about us as a church? It's great to have so many children and young people here, but what do we make our number one priority for them? We might want a number of those things that we heard about, but what's the number one priority? Is it going to be different because we're Christian? Does it make any difference that we're Christian? Or do we just want the same things for our children that the world wants? Should our priorities be any different? Well, hopefully we'll see in Psalm 78 that the number one priority Christian parents should have and Christian communities should have for children is something that is distinctively Christian. We might have hopes for our children that are similar to the world, good career, financially stable, they're happy, good family, all those things, but the number one priority is something that is distinctively Christian. In Psalm 78, parents, I think, and the church around them are given a command, a command that gives us a different priority to the world. We're given an example of how to obey their command, and we're given a promise. What would happen if we keep the command? Psalm 78 is just a very straightforward guide, blueprint for how to grow young disciples. So if you're a parent, or you work with children, or you're in church with children around, you've ever thought, what should we be doing with the children? Psalm 78 gives you all the answers. A command, an example, and a promise. So firstly, we have the command, particularly in verse 5. The command is, teach our children the statutes and law of God. Very straightforward. And if we look through the Bible, 
We find very similar commands elsewhere. It's not just a one-off in Psalm 78. Right back in Genesis, through Exodus, Deuteronomy, on through the Old Testament, into the New Testament. They tell us, these passages tell us, our number one priority for Christian parents and for Christian churches is to disciple children. To disciple them. Raise them to know about God and the things God has done. And I would go as far as say, if you're a Christian parent, your home is your number one mission field. Your number one mission field. So it doesn't, we already, like I said, already prayed for school. It doesn't mean we don't worry about that. We don't worry about the wider education or their future, what's going to fulfill them, what's going to make them happy. But it means the priority, the thing we pull above all else is their discipleship. And it's right from the beginning. So Adam, we don't have a command for Adam and Eve, but we can read that their children know about God. They must only know because Adam and Eve told them. So right from that first family, they were telling their children about who God is and what God had done. Through the Old Testament, um, we can read Jesus saying, God wants children to come to him. When others tried to stop them coming, Jesus rebuked them. God wants children to come to him. There are many more commands and examples in the New Testament through church history. And I know there are many of you here who have a testimony that includes Christian parents. You knew the blessing of being raised in a Christian home. And even if you weren't, where would we all be if it wasn't for faithful Christian parents passing on the gospel generation after generation? Because the gospel has always been something that's passed from person to person, from generation to generation. And it links really well with our ministry and mission plans. We want to be a disciple-making church. We want to be disciple-making disciples. We want a church that is making disciples, a church that is gospel-hearted, worshipping God, a family, telling the gospel and doing good. So the question then is, do we want the same for our children? Do we want the same for all these young people who are sat amongst us? Do we want them to join in with that? And it isn't just for parents, as I said. It's for all of us. And even beyond our own children, do we want the same for the young people in Kenilworth who aren't aren't here, who aren't in a Christian home, who don't have any connection with any other church? So the primary responsibility for discipleship of children lies with parents, but parents and children are part of a community. And so as parents disciple their children, it should be with the support and encouragement of the wider church. So as I said, it's if you're not a parent, you don't get a week off, you can't just nap whilst we, I just talk to the parents. It's for all of us. We need to be encouraging and supporting the parents amongst us. And we're a church that does children's and youth work. Uh, and you might be involved with that. But the, the purpose of that is to supplement and support what parents do at home with their families, not to replace it. And in time, we hope to do more with parents to encourage and equip them for that task. But we have to be clear, discipleship of children in our church family is not the responsibility of the church 
Although I really, really do hope the church will do all it can to support and encourage that, it's not our responsibility. That lies with parents. Lies with parents. I think we're in a culture where, actually, as parents, I have two children. Well, one's an adult now. I've had two children. One's still a child. We're in a culture where we delegate lots of their life to other people. So, obviously, most of us send our children to school. We delegate that responsibility to someone else. But things like sports, we'll often send them to clubs rather than do sport with them, or music, or drama, dance, whatever it is we want them to experience and learn about and enjoy, we often delegate that to other people, often with good reason. I really wouldn't be much help to either my children if they wanted to learn to sing or play in the musical instrument, so I would delegate it. There is often good reason. But as parents, raising your children to know and love Jesus is not something you can delegate to someone else, not even the church. And I can tell you, as a Christian schools worker going in schools, if you're relying on schools to do it, you are missing altogether what our schools are like. Uh, it will not happen in schools. It will happen a tiny bit in church, but you need to be doing it at home. It's your responsibility. So a command for parents, but hopefully the encouragement is it's a command given recognising that families are part of communities, so you're not alone. So we have a command. But what would it look like for you to obey that command? What are you expected to do and how is the church family going to support you? Well, we have an example here in Psalm 78. Give instruction. Give instruction. I'm sure the children are all really excited to hear that I'm telling the parents, when you get home, you need to instruct them in the things of God and teach them from the Bible. But that's the command and the example, I'm afraid. Um, teach your children and call them to listen. Share parables, and I think that would include stories. Pass on the knowledge that's been given to us. Tell children the glorious deeds of the Lord, about God's power and the wonders he has done. Children look really excited to be thinking that's what they're going home to. I think there are loads of times in Scripture where we're instructed this way, to teach, to raise children in the knowledge of God. So there is a body of knowledge we should be instructing our children about. I think what we didn't read all of Psalm 78, it goes on much longer. The rest of it, I think the writer of Psalm 78 gives us those instructions, but then goes on to show us what that looks like. So if, you, if we went on and read verses 9 to 72, we would see exactly what it looks like to instruct children about the things of God. The psalm gives a potted summary of Israel's history, but with a focus on the people being sinful and rebellious, and a God who is powerful and faithful. And the wonders and miracles that God did for Israel. It's full of examples of God's power, mercy, forgiveness, faithfulness and grace. And we saw in the 2 Timothy passage, all scripture is useful. So I think quite often people say the God of the Old Testament is different to the Jesus in the New Testament. But in this psalm we see God is the same from the beginning to end. God hasn't changed. We see the Jews as a living illustration of God's grace. How God 
poured out his love on them, even though they didn't deserve it. So it's the same message in the Old Testament as the New Testament. And that message is really straightforward. We're sinful and rebellious, and so God needs to send a shepherd to rescue and guide us. And so whatever you're teaching your children, if if you teach them nothing else, we teach them that. They are sinful and rebellious, and they need a shepherd to rescue and guide them. For the Jews, they had King David for a while as their shepherd, but we now know David was just a foreshadow of what the Messiah would be like. We know that Jesus is the one David and others was pointing to. Jesus is the good shepherd that our children need to know and trust. Because we have the full revelation of God. We have the Word, we have the Bible, and we have the person of Jesus. The full revelation of God. So we have a Bible to teach from, a gospel of Jesus to share, and the person of Jesus to point our young people to. I hope you also have your own testimonies. How did you come to faith? What experience have you had of God answering prayer and doing miracles and working in your life? It's kind of... Children are in, so it's really tempting to get them to put their hands up, but I didn't want to embarrass the parents. So children, I want you to think, don't put your hands up and embarrass your parents, but just think, do you know how your parent or parents became Christians? Have a think. If the answer is no, when you go home later, ask them. Ask them. Have they ever shared with you a time when God has answered one of their prayers? If you can't think of any, when you go home, ask them and see what they've got to say. I'm sure they've all got some brilliant things to tell you. So we teach them, but what else can we be doing? Um, And elsewhere through scripture, we get some other examples of what to do. We're told just to make it part of our everyday conversation, particularly in places like Deuteronomy 6, just make it part of every day. Talk about Jesus, the gospel, our experience of God, just Christianity in our everyday conversations. And I think that's probably what most of us will do more often than the formal, let's sit down and open the Bible and see what it's got to say. Children notice what we talk about, what are our priorities, how we live. So when in our everyday lives, we need to let our faith shine through. Some more questions, children, to think about and maybe ask your parents later. Do you know what what bit of the Bible are your parents reading at the moment? What are they praying for? On a Sunday, as you're getting nearer to time for church, how do you prepare for church and talk about church? I think there are many things we can make part of our everyday lives where we have opportunity to talk about Jesus and what it means to follow him. There are other things that we're encouraged to have things around our home. Uh, so it could be things like Bible verses, passages around home. It could be crosses, having Bibles, I think, particularly for children. Um, I get slightly jealous, even the age of my children are, the quality of resources is so much better than it was a short while ago. So children versions of Bibles and Bible stories, DVDs, videos of Bible stories, there are loads of resources. Have those around the house. Again, more informal ways children can be learning about Jesus. 
uh, and later in our service, we're going to be taking communion because as Christians, we have rituals. Simple things that we do that have multiple purposes. There is a purpose in communion. One of those is to remind us what Jesus did for us. And for those who aren't clear on that, it teaches what Jesus did for us. And in church, we have other rituals, but I think there are very simple rituals you can have at home, saying grace before a meal, bedtime story and a prayer, praying and singing together before you come to church. Just simple things you can build into your family routines as a ritual that teaches and reminds. We also have festivals. We have festivals. How do you celebrate Christian festivals as a family? So in amongst the decorations and gifts or the chocolate eggs, are you using those festivals as opportunities to teach your children about Jesus? Do you keep your fe- those festivals Christ-centred? As I said, I think one of the purposes God has given us rituals and festivals for is to teach the next generation. There are things that we do that the next generation can join in with to learn and then as they get older it reminds them and they grow in their knowledge of what it represents. So let's use the things God has given us. He's given us rituals, he's given us festivals, let's use them to teach our children about who God is. So there's loads of ideas there. Uh, I'm not asking you all to do all of them straight away if you don't do any of them, or I would say you probably won't do all of them all the time. So you've got to choose, you know your children, what age they are, their maturity, particularly their spiritual maturity. You're going to do something different with a child who doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Saviour with a child who does. But there are loads of things you can be doing. Uh, What I do want to impress upon you is that doing nothing shouldn't really be an option. So we're not going to do everything, but doing nothing shouldn't be an option either. And I'm really, really mindful. If I was a parent, sat where you are, I would be feeling really guilty right now, thinking I don't do it well enough, and I haven't done it enough. But I don't want you just to feel guilty. You might feel challenged, but you need to change that into a resolve to take action. Because even if you've been doing nothing with your children, if you leave here today and resolve to do one thing, that's an improvement. That's better. And if you're not sure where to start, there are lots of parents here who've tried things. You can ask them, what do they do? And share resources and ideas. Um, If they're really honest, they'll also tell you the things they tried that didn't work and what not to do. Um, So I know for every tool a parent finds that works really well, There'll be multiple things they tried that didn't work so well. But try them. Some work, some don't. They work with different children in different contexts. And I also know the reality is, um, certainly for our home, some of the times those things didn't work was not because of the resource or the quality of it, but it's because we are, Lucy and I, are weak and sinful and fallible. And we have children who can be sinful and rebellious. I'm looking at children. How many of them look sinful and rebellious? They all look great at the moment. They're sitting quietly, listening really well. But I'm sure they all have their moments. How many of your children 
when, uh, I don't know, mum says, right, it's time, we've had our dinner, whatever, it's time for us to do our family devotion, so dad gets the Bible. How many of you feel really excited at those times? How many of you give out a groan and a moan and you'd rather do anything else? That's the reality, but we have to persevere. Persevere. And children, when it's that time, I would just encourage you, your parents have probably had a really long day and they're probably thinking, this is the last thing I want to do as well. I'd rather have a cup of tea, glass of wine, put my feet up, whatever. So go with them, make it easier for them, join in, be enthusiastic. But there will be times of failure because some things will work, some things won't and it's a mix of people who are all sinful and fallible. Something else you can do, we do have children's and youth work here, so why not speak to the leaders? They have plans for what they're going to do with the young people once they're back in school and our programme starts again. They've got got a fantastic curriculum planned. Just ask them, what are the children doing in group this term? That will then give you ideas that you can do at home to build on that and go from that and develop that even further. And they may even have some ideas for resources you can use. So here in Psalm 78, we have an example of how to, a command to teach, but also an example. And there are many other examples throughout Scripture. And we have each other and our own experiences to draw upon. Then we have the promise. Like I said, you might be feeling like this is a little bit of a telling off uh, and feeling a little bit guilty if you're acknowledging you either haven't been discipling your children at all or you feel like you haven't been doing enough and that really really is not my intention to make you feel like that when we started we watched those two videos and the question put was what do you really want for your children what do you really really want for them and if your answer is they will know and love Jesus and Lord and Saviour then this psalm should be a great encouragement to you, not a stick to beat you with. What's the promise? They, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. If you've got a child with them, with you, when you look at them, and the psalm says that is what God can do if you teach them about who he is, does that not make your heart leap with joy and fill you with hope for them? Have a, I said, an adult daughter, 19, uh, who has rejected Jesus and is living life without Jesus. She's at university and I want her to do well in her studies. She has a boyfriend. It may last, it may not, but I hope she has a good marriage and is blessed with a family i hope she's financially secure rather than being poor but the thing i really want most for her is that she would know jesus and lord and savior you know we've kind of got used to it a bit but in those first i think she was about 14 15 those first months and years it broke our heart to see her reject jesus and everything we had taught her but I would give up all those other things, all those other desires, in a heartbeat, if doing so meant she turned to Jesus. So we pray for her, lots, 
uh, and we remind her of who Jesus is when we have the opportunity. She's less aggressive now than what she used to be, which is helpful. Um, But what really gives me hope is this promise. This promise. We know we told her about Jesus. We know we watered those seeds. We know we took her to church where good, faithful Christians also added to that. And so we trust that God will continue to work in her life. And I look forward to a graduation, a wedding, uh, maybe the birth of a grandchild. Whoosh, that makes me feel old. Maybe the birth of a grandchild. But I long more for the day when she turns to Jesus. Those hours of trying to obey the command we have, even when it was hard, were so that she would come to call on Jesus and Lord and Saviour. Because it's clear in this psalm and elsewhere, if people are going to come to faith, including our children, God's ordained way for that is that they're told about Jesus, they're told the gospel. If they're going to become disciple-making disciples, it's pretty obvious. First of all, they need to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, trusting him, following him, becoming more like him. And this promise should encourage all of you who are parents that God will honour your efforts all the hard work, all the tears and frustrations there will be fruit and I hope we don't just desire it for our own children but as we look around we want it for every child who's part of Kenilworth Community Church that they know Jesus and when we go out and we see children and young people around Kenilworth Surely the thing we want most for any of them is that they know Jesus and Lord and Saviour. So I don't want you to be motivated to do what the psalm says because otherwise you feel guilty and you feel like a rubbish Christian and a rubbish parent. I want you to do it because the motivation is, as we do this, God will keep his promise. And some of them will trust in God, will keep his commands. And if that isn't enough, there's even more. Because God loves to be generous. Uh, If we look at verse 6. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. So yes, we want the next generation to know. But the promise is even some people not yet born will know Jesus because of our efforts today. As we pass on the gospel and grow young disciples, we're securing a gospel witness for future generations. As you teach your children about Jesus and the church supports you in that, we're laying a foundation for grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and so on. So we obey this command and we follow the example for the children we have now, but also for those future Generations, so they too will have the opportunity to respond to Jesus. And I remember sharing this when we were starting Kenilworth Community Church. Seems like an age ago already. In this community centre with those monthly meetings, just sharing some of the things we had a vision, just that idea of what a legacy it would be if from our humble recent beginnings we have a church here that lasts for generations and generations, 100 years or more as a faithful gospel witness in this town. 
And that will only happen if we are faithfully passing on the gospel to each new generation. And we read to Timothy because kind of a proof that God keeps his promise really. We could share personal stories I'm sure of how that's true as well. But also we can read about Timothy. Even before he had the New Testament, he was raised by people who taught him the scripture they had at the time. They discipled him. And then when he heard the gospel, he came to personal faith in Jesus. It doesn't say his parents, but his parents, his family, discipled him. And he came to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Then he was mentored and encouraged by the wider church. And he became a leader who would then teach and tell others the gospel. Um, we could wonder, did his family think and pray that that's what he would become? I doubt it. They were just being faithful to God's commands. Just teaching the children about who God is. I don't think they would ever have guessed what impact he would have on that early church and beyond. And we might not know how God is going to use these young people here. How is he going to use them here? What has God got in store for these young people? He might use them in similar ways to Timothy. They might become church leaders known for their preaching and teaching. But I hope we're praying that they all become followers of Jesus and that they're all disciple-making disciples. So they may not have a big ministry where everyone knows them, but even quietly with their friends and neighbours and work colleagues, they're telling the gospel at every opportunity. Working with God to grow his kingdom and change eternal destinies. So I really, really do hope from the challenge of the commands, uh, the example that kind of probably makes us feel inferior and inadequate, we are really encouraged by this promise. The, the promise that if we obey the commands and do things God way, God's way, he will give the harvest. I think it's mind-blowing to think our efforts could change the lives of the children with us, but could change the lives of people not yet even born. It's amazing. So I think we should have all the motivation we need and it shouldn't be guilt or worry. It should be because God's promises are glorious and we want him to keep those promises. Uh, So when it comes to growing young disciples, we have a command to obey. We have an example to follow and we have a promise that should encourage us and motivate us. So whatever else we want for our children, knowing Jesus should be our number one priority. So let us be people who obey the commands, follow the example, and trust God to keep his promises. Amen.